The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hi, this is Matt Slick Live. And sitting in for Matt Slick today is me, Charlie Spine. Uh, I'm part of the CARM.org ministry, and while Matt is currently uh, visiting the Holy Land with a group of other Christians, he's asked me to step in and try to replace him, but there's no way I can fill his shoes. Uh, Matt Slick Live, this is the show where you can call in and you can ask questions about the Bible, theology, apologetics, different religions, even atheism. In other issues, and we're on in this time block live. Uh, it is uh, today is actually Wednesday, February twenty second of twenty twenty three. And if you want to call in with a question, uh, you're invited to call in toll free uh, at eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. And we'd like to have your calls. Uh, this is uh, a uh, a caller-driven show as far as the topics go. Uh, and if the callers slow down, I'll pick up my own topic that uh, might be a favorite of mine, or one that I think will be of interest to you. And I'll I'll go into it and see what um, I can give you as far as uh, insights that I've gained over the years of studying. Uh, how to witness to the cults, uh, the occult, uh, the non-Christians, uh, the people hostile to the Christian faith. Uh, doing so uh, it is an exercise that's known as apologetics, Christian apologetics. And all apologetics means uh, is it's a derivative from the Greek word apologia. It means to give a defense, a reasoned answer. Uh, when someone asks you why, or why is it that you uh, uh, contend for such a faith as Christianity. And First Peter 3.15 tells us to be ready with just such an answer, just such a defense for the Christian faith. When asked about it, and we're to give that answer with respect and gentleness, uh, if possible. That's the admonition there in First Peter 3.15, anyway. And we give those answers to people because no matter who they are, uh, they're uh, creations of God and need to be respected, and they don't need to be thumped uh, necessarily. Uh, I've found some that might do well to get a thumping, but uh, nevertheless, um, we try to use the, uh, uh, an attractive approach with the gospel of uh, Jesus Christ, and uh, if they're not open to the uh, the uh, velvet glove of the gospel, sometimes they need the iron law of the fist to be exposed to them, so they'll see that their real condition is one of uh, needfulness, in, in that we need the Lord to uh, get us through this life and bring us to eternal life with Him. So we have open minds today. Uh, right now, uh, live Wednesday, February 22nd. Uh, if you want to call and participate, 
you can call 877, toll-free, 877-207-2276. Now, uh, yesterday, uh, not yesterday, but before Matt left, uh, there was a question put to him. Uh, the uh, person was somewhat um, confused by how the Lord would uh uh, was referred to uh, in quoting Psalms 22. Uh, there's a passage in the Psalms that prefigures the crucifixion of Christ uh, very graphically, very accurately, uh, long before uh, that practice was ever indulged in. Uh, and in it, it says, I am but a worm. And he didn't understand how... Uh, Christ could quote such a psalm on the cross, referring to himself as a worm. Uh, Well, I can tell you that that worm, in particular, back in uh, Bible times, was understood by the people and culture of the time, not just to be some night crawler that you'd go out to dig up to go fishing, uh, not just a a simple grub or a, uh, you know, earthworm, as it were, but it was a particular kind of worm called the crimson worm. And this crimson worm had a life cycle that, interestingly enough, is a rough picture of uh, the life cycle of uh, the church and the people that belong to Christ. This crimson worm was used to dye uh, textiles, uh, a bright and rich red. It came from this creature, uh, and when it would naturally die on its own, it would impale itself on a piece of wood, and on that wood it would uh, lay its offspring, and it would perish, and its red uh, contents would stain the wood. Well, when the larva would hatch, they would consume what was left behind by the dying um, parent and live through the the means that was provided by the death of the crimson worm and go on in future generations of crimson worms. Another thing is as the remains deteriorated uh, from the once uh, living Uh, crimson worm, they would uh, deteriorate into a dust form similar to that of of flaking and give the appearance of snow, uh, as white as snow. And this life cycle would be repeated. Uh, And sometimes we can be reminded that even in God's creation of the most uh, uh, insignificant type of creature, we can see that Christ shed his blood on the cross for us and for us uh, to live in him, uh, though we might be red, uh, crimson with our stain, he can wash us white as snow, and that's the final result and the life cycle uh, illustrated by the crimson worm. Of course, all analogies break down. It's not a perfect picture, but it is an interesting picture to, to follow when you refer to the Psalms and find that word, I am but a worm. It was a very well understood and precise identification of a creature that uh, wasn't just 
common uh, in the warm sense. So I hope that is a is good for you. Uh, now we have a question on the line. Let me put on John from North Carolina. Hi, John. You're on the line uh, with Charlie Spine sitting in for Matt Slick on Matt Slick Live. And your question? Yes, sir. Thank you for Hello, taking my John. call. Um, my first, I've got two questions. My first question is, will people in the, uh, what am I trying to, okay, will Catholics go to heaven as believers, of, as a Catholic believer? Well, I know Matt says they're not truly a, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, what what you'll find out, uh, Matt has put together a great deal of material on Catholicism, and when he says um, those Catholics that will not go to heaven are most likely those ones that stick rigidly to the official, and I'll repeat that, the official teachings of the Church. Uh, Some of the official teachings of the Church that the, the, the Roman Catholic a teaching magisterium require you to hold to are beyond that which is uh, uh, um, scriptural. Uh, I mm-hmm. grew up a Roman Catholic. I was I was I was uh, well schooled in uh, central doctrines, critical doctrines to Christianity. The, Jesus's virgin birth, his sinless life, his death in my place yes. on the cross, his res- his resurrection. And that he will return. These all these doctrines are quite solidly Christian, but there are what I like to call baggage that was added by the official doctrines of the Church, unnecessary baggage that some Catholics and Catholic authorities will say you have to accept, or you're not uh, headed for heaven. In fact, in the in the tradition of the Catholic Church. No good Catholic or informed Catholic is allowed to say that they are at this moment saved and on their way to heaven. Same for the Orthodox Church. They can't say they're saved either. They say, we hope to be, or we're trying to be, or, you know, that's the final outcome I hope I reach. But they can't say it as a born-again Christian can say, one who's been regenerated by God and recognizes that the scripture says, even John says, these things I write to you, little ch- children, that you may know you have eternal life. Well, when God gets a hold of you in a genuine sense, uh, he gives you that knowledge, and you wouldn't even flirt with the idea of saying, well, I hope to be, because your hope lies in him, and he says what he starts, he finishes, uh, and he's uh, the author and the finisher of faith. And that kind of faith is unfailing, and, and you can count on it. Now, I was yes, I was saved. I was saved while I belonged to the Catholic Church. Uh, but I saw my need to leave it. Um, yes. I have friends that, rem- re- that remained in the Catholic Church who felt that they... Uh, I, I believe they were born again as ever so much as I was, but they felt the conviction to say and try to correct some of the errors amongst their uh, fellow Catholics. Um, I, I didn't yes. feel the conviction that I could could stay and do that. I wouldn't condemn them for that. Uh, I think it's a worthy uh, task to take upon. Uh, but I 
I was moved to leave the church officially and try to work from without without it. Now, you'll find a lot of faith traditions and religions that have born-again Christians in them, and sometimes, uh, as in the Catholic Church, it's in spite of their official doctrine. Uh, growing up, yes, I sir. had those wonderful essential teachings that I accepted and became even more real to me when the Lord finally got a hold of me and and uh, opened my heart and mind to His Word and His will. And I understood the importance of those doctrines and that uh, it was good that I had the teaching I did to establish the reasonableness and the uh, the uh, scriptural value of those teachings. Yes, sir. so. Um, well, uh, so I wouldn't I wouldn't say that people uh, before uh, or people within the Catholic Church can't go to heaven. I would say that those who add a works righteous attitude toward their living out their faith are missing the boat. Uh, the Lord is not impressed by our works. Uh, he's not impressed by anything and. When you can say, I'm not sure if I'm going to heaven now and I'm not allowed to say it, well, there's the dead giveaway yes. right there. Uh, so yes, it's a case-by-case basis, you know, I've found to be su- surprising. I've found some Christians within uh, Mormon assemblies, uh, believe it or not, yes, that have a simple, sim- simple faith and aren't even aware of some of the false teachings. So. Um, Yes, sir. It, it's uh, well, one yeah. Of, you don't broad brush them. It, yeah. Well, my sister oh, I'm, was a Christian I, I, in the Baptist in. Church. Yeah. Uh, yes. My yeah. And we're, com- she, we're, we're coming up. I'm we're just, coming up on a break. Hang. On, can you hang on? And oh, I'll be right back yes. with you. Yes, sir. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Okay. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hello again, this is Charlie Spine, sitting in for Matt Slick on Matt Slick. I hope um, we can have some of you call in to the show today. Uh, as John did uh, with his question about Catholicism, and will Catholics go to heaven? Uh, are you still there, John? Yes, sir. And I've got one yeah. last question. Um, sure. I have a friend who their whole life from birth said they were a girl. Oh, I'm sorry, they were a boy, and they were born as a male. And it got to the point when they were about 18 years old, they actually, they had to change the, the operation. And they said, the doctor said, if you do, if the parents do not let them have the surgery, they would commit suicide. So they've done that, and they've lived now as a male, though they were born as a female. And it's a very close friend that I care about and love. But my question is, though... They were raised Christian, say they're still Christian, and say they were just born in the wrong body. 
I don't understand it. Will they be saved if they really believe in the Lord, though they have committed a horrible? Well, I don't know. I'm not judging. I just I don't know what to think about it. I don't understand it, but I'm concerned mostly about their salvation. Of course, uh, which, of course. Uh, no, no, normally, yeah. Normally speaking, someone that goes under such a, a radical uh, alter alteration to their physical body is normally thought to have um, a uh, an abnormal view of themselves. Okay, right. Uh, a, 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 a a a distorted view of who and what they are. Now, if um, a, a woman uh, is surgically altered uh, to more closely resemble a man, she still remains a surgically altered female. Same thing goes with the men who wants to transition right. and goes through all the physical uh, um, uh, you know, procedures to try to appear to be a woman. He's nevertheless a, a altered, a physically altered male. Now, a lot of the people that uh, do this um, are sincere in what they're doing, but uh, uh, let me say this: uh, they they want us to somehow they want us to somehow celebrate that change with them or the acceptance in such a fashion as that were to uh, root for them in their cause. Now that yes, would sir. be going over the line. We can love them. We can have concern with them. We certainly must continue to preach the gospel to them. But to lend ourselves to an appearance of of uh, approving of it, okay, uh, would be mm-hmm. uh, uh, inconsistent with a Christian witness. Uh, but we need we need to just give them as much love as non- and understanding as we can. And continue yes, to pray, sir. and continue to, to to give them the truth. And um, sometimes they re- well, reject me... it. Sometimes they become uh, upset with you for doing so. But nevertheless, they will respect you. I think if you stick to your guns scripturally, and uh, and do the loving thing you can, short of endorsing endorsing that kind of lifestyle. Yes, sir. Does that make sense? Well, let me tell you this. Okay. It's a very close relative, actually, and they because I do not accept it. I mean, the person is can be physically violent, very hateful, very full of themselves, just flies off the handle at a, at a moment's notice, uh, just very hard to deal with. And it's a close family member, and it's put a lot of stress in the family. And I'm kind of to the point, I don't want to associate with the person anymore in our family, but yet they're very close. And I pray for them, but I'm I'm trying as a Christian not to turn them away, to keep praying for them. But they have been so hateful and just so arrogant and so... Quote, full of themselves after this. Well, they've always been that way, but now that yeah. this change taking place, it's even worse. And yeah, I don't I, know I, I, how to deal with them. I have similar family members that uh, I, I, I need uh, to keep the relationship from getting toxic or more toxic. I need to keep a certain yes, distance sir. from them. If they, become, if they become overbearing and forceful 
And like I say, they insist I celebrate uh, their uh, alternative lifestyle when it's inconsistent with a Christian lifestyle. If they if they insist that upon me, then I have to make the, the distance even greater as I pray and look for opportunities and that's to witness. What I'm doing. witness wit, yeah, witnessing to family is a tightrope walk. Um, and you need the Lord to help you balance you on that tightrope because uh, it, it, uh, they know you better than the average person. And sometimes knowing you and being familiar with you, you uh, you uh, lack a certain uh, credibility in, in the family member's eyes. And they don't take you as seriously as they might someone else outside the family that could tell them the very same gospel, but that would they would respect the source more than they would a close family member. Uh, so you've got yes, a you've got a, a big job big job on your hands, and I uh, I understand the uh, the the uh, the care and concern that you're showing, and you're doing the right thing. And I just hope the um, the Lord will I pray the Lord will will guide you, and uh, when you yes, see sir. the door open, He opens the door that you'll be sensitive enough to jump through it and. Just as much that you'll be sensitive enough to understand where he's closed the door for the time being. Uh, that's hard to yes, recognize sometimes because you want so urgently to see your well, um, your family members, and especially. I'm sure. You want to see them. Go ahead. Yes, sir. And and I'm so afraid. I'm just so worried. That because of what he's done and because of the, his lifestyle, not only even if he hadn't done this, his basic personality is so unchristian like though he says he's a Christian and I just worry about his salvation and all I can do is keep praying well, but I'm just really worried about his salvation. And uh well <laughs> I've got I, that situation I, in a family go I'm sorry, go ahead. Yes, sir. Yeah, well you just keep holding him up in prayer because uh uh, he's, uh, it's not a problem for the Lord to, uh, bring him to his knees and, and crack hard nuts as him. I was just as hard in other areas of life and the Lord cracked me and that testifies to me. He can crack anybody. Uh, and, uh, I'm, you know, just, just hold him up and uh, to the Lord, uh, and uh, draw near or go keep distant as it's appropriate. As you continue oh. to pray for him, thanks for your for your call, John. I pre- I appreciate that so much. Thank you for your uh, thank concern you, for your family member too. Okay, yes, bye bye. God God bless you too, and thank you for your advice. Yes, sir. Bye bye. Thank oh, thank you, thank you so much. Yes, sir. You're welcome. Okay, that was uh, a, a call that uh, uh, is not uncommon. Uh, not uncommon. Uh, yeah, very tough when you've got family members uh, to witness to. Uh, Courtney is, uh, well, I don't want to hurry you along, Courtney, with your question. I uh, I see we've got a break coming up here in, in just uh, in less than a minute. So uh, we have questions also. Uh, see, Courtney has one about the revival in Ashbury. And uh, Justin, about the Trinity and how does it work? And this will be interesting uh, to answer both questions. I hope. uh... It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. 
Hi, this is Charlie Spine. I'm back uh, sitting in for Matt Slick on Matt Slick Live. And uh, we have some calls that are uh, waiting now to be uh, brought forward. Let me uh, go first to who's been here the longest, Courtney. Uh, there, Courtney. Courtney, you're on the air, and uh, well, how can I help you? What's hey there. your question? Yes. Um, so, okay, I was wondering if um, you had heard anything about Jazzberry Revival. Um, I called about it the other day, and I had a question, but now I have another question. <laughs> okay. So have you heard of it before I go to my next one? I've heard only the stuff that... Uh, that's been in the media. Okay, me too. Um, I just, I didn't feel 100% like gung-ho about it. I just wanted to just wait and watch before, you know, I um, promote it to other people or that kind of thing. And so I found out that they have a, um, a woman there who is a reverend that works for the university. And I was like, oh, man, I was literally just talking to Charlie about that yesterday um, with, you know, Joyce Meyer and my question about Jan Markle. And um, I was like, wow, I'm, isn't that something that we should take into consideration that that well, university, it is I mean, I don't know if they have others. Yeah, it, it definitely raises a flag. Uh because we're if this uh, reverend is holding a uh, a position of uh, a teaching pastor or or if it's a uh, simply a, an office having to do with uh, administration it's an administrative office that would be altogether different um i know that well, uh, from I what i've seen and and i'm um, go ahead I was just going to say, I saw that there was an article that came out with her picture. She, Her title is Reverend. She's standing at the pulpit, and she said that her calling is to preach <laughs> the scripture and write uh, about it. Well, and I was like, wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Un unfor unfortunately, uh, I've seen uh, this happen, and, it, and it's uh, part of the... Uh, uh, unpaid bills of the church, and as far as uh, they're being lackadaisical and lazy about sticking to uh, doctrine, uh, sound doctrine. The uh, I've noticed uh, some women in the ministry that are superb evangelists. Okay, I mean wonderfully okay. effective okay. with uh, d with spreading the word of God and, and the good messages of the gospel aren't satisfied with their gift, so to speak, of evangelism, but they want to move into a teaching ministry uh, such as this or into a position of authority that uh, they're not uh, um, designed to hold, that they're not meant to hold, uh -huh. and that they shouldn't hold, uh, when, in, when in fact they should be satisfied with their gift to uh, evangelize people with the gospel. So this is always something that uh, is uh, is uh, interfered with by someone's personal constitution and personal desires 
when their personal desires uh, are are allowed to override the structure of the scripture, and that's unfortunate. So, um, yeah, you're right to be concerned. That is a a red flag, and uh, I. I don't know how much the people that are responding to this so-called revival there are, are are putting importance on what she's teaching or preaching, because uh, uh, yeah. from what I understand, they've drawn they've drawn a lot of people from outside their little local uh, congregation and their fellowship, and so some of the people that have come in may uh, be more sound in their teaching, or they may be. Uh, whacked. You, you never know who you're going to draw when there's an event like that. All I can say is uh, where amongst the movement it, uh, it is found to be that they're glorifying God, I would say then uh-huh. the Holy Spirit is, is moving on and through those people. If uh, the focus somehow becomes on a particular person, woman, man, or their message, uh, it may be that they've uh, been attracted to the movement or the event simply to promote themselves and uh, and get a little attention for themselves when the attention should be always uh, uh, resulting in the glorific- glorification of God and the spreading of His message. So, yeah, be suspicious. And there's nothing really that good okay. to, uh, that I can see of of a woman of a woman usurping that position that Paul clearly says is not to be. Uh, uh, held and exercised by, by the women in the body of Christ. Okay. I just wanted does to make sure, because some people, I just don't want to take, yes, it does. I just don't want some people to take me the wrong way, like I'm trying to sound like a know-it-all, but I um, I just, I when you're trying to tell other people that you're not, like, jumping right into the whole thing, you know, that you're just trying to, you know, I, I don't think it's a wrong thing, like you said, to be suspicious. So yeah. I, I just uh, want to yeah. make sure well, I don't be, sound that way. Like, okay. Yeah. Uh, a healthy, a healthy fear uh, and a healthy respect in a fearful sense for uh, someone who goes outside the uh, bounds of scripture is a, is a good thing. Um, you don't have to uh, necessarily uh, do anything to offend someone for them to be offended. Some people that are committed yeah. to accepting that that thing will find offense, even if you approach them in the most gentle way to try to guide them away from it using scripture. So be careful. But you're in the you're in the you're in the right uh, the right position, and you're doing the right thing to bring it up and bring the attention to others about this as being a problem. So you're doing good. Yay. Oh, yay. Thank you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Have- uh, okay. Whoops, I cut her off a little quickly there. Okay, we have uh, Justin. He's got a question about the Trinity. Uh, Justin, I um, hope I brought you up there. Are you uh- there, Justin? Yeah, I'm here. Hi, Hi Charlie. Um, my my Hi, question how could is. You? Oh, all right, thanks. Um, well, I just want to talk about the Trinity and all that stuff. And my question is: is if God was a Trinity, why hadn't none of the previous servants of God taught this concept, like Moses and David, Joshua, any of them? 
Well, they were they were presenting uh, uh, situations, and God worked in those situations in di- in different ways. Uh, and we see in the New Testament when we look back, we can uh, we can see indications of the Trinity that are extremely clear. Uh, we can see in Isaiah forty eight, um, if you start reading in verse twelve, there. Uh, you see the Lord is talking. He's taking credit for having made everything that has been made. And you read down further into verse uh, 16 of Isaiah 48, uh, you'll see that he says, Now the Lord God and his Spirit have sent me. That's strange talk. Uh, it's, It's curious in that it's hard to make sense of it outside of the concept of the Trinity. Uh, we have God the Father, who cannot be seen uh, by any man, mm-hmm. nor can uh, we approach him. He's in, uh, he's, that's just the way it is. And uh, yet, the Old Testament talks about people seeing God. Uh, well, who, have, who were they seeing in the burning bush? There was an appearance of God, but he appeared as a flame in the burning bush that was not consumed. Later on in the New Testament, we look back, and the New Testament will bring clarity on the meanings of Old Testament passages, and we got Jesus claiming to be the one that spoke from the burning bush. Uh, He claimed the title when uh, when Moses asked God at the burning bush uh, who was sending him. He first complained. He says, I can't speak very well, God, you know. He says, "Don't you go anyway? Take Aaron with you." And when uh, he says, "When they ask me, well, who is this God that has sent me?" You tell them, "I am that I am," and this will be a memorial mm-hmm. to me for all time. I am has sent you. Yes, and then Jesus comes along and claims to be the I am, which the Jews clearly mm-hmm. understood him to claim because they they picked up stones to kill him several times for making claims yeah. uh, of deity. Well, so, the, who was it that spoke from the, the burning is, bush? It was an appearance. It was an appearance of the pre-incarnate Christ speaking from that bush. Okay, and mm-hmm. he's divine. He shares. He shares the nature and substance of whatever it is God is. He shares that with the Father yes. and the Holy Spirit. But it, so the Bible also says, "For God isn't the author of confusion." And can you think of an ideology more confusing than the Trinity? No, no, not a, not at all. Uh, when you arrive at it systematically, it makes complete sense. There is on the CARM website a chart that you can look at called the Trinity Chart. Uh-huh. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hi, we're back on the air. I'm sorry if I I overlapped into the uh, pre- previous uh, music music exit, but uh, we were talking to Justin, and he was having questions about the Trinity and how does it work. Uh, are you still there, Justin? A book, pray about uh, reading it, and then you submit your heart, mind, and the nature of truth to it and you ask for a voice a presence to come upon you internally in order to get truth 
And this is an invitation. It's one of the procedures of invitations of demonic oppression to ask a to ask a false god, a false spirit, ultimately to speak to you. This is exactly what occult uh, practices uh, are comprised of. Exactly. We're never told to pray about the truth of what God says. What God says is true. You don't pray to determine its truth. It is true. It's a huge difference. Because if you determine to see if it it is true, then you're saying, I will experience something to determine what God says is right or wrong. And this is arrogance, and it's foolishness. This is what Mormonism does. It's really bad. Let's get to Rick from Ohio. Rick, welcome. You're on the air. Uh, thank you, Matt. I just wanted mm-hmm. to thank you. Uh, I listen to you every day. You're uh, terrific. Oh, thanks. But, uh, tell my wife how great I am. Call her up at the office <laughs> and tell her I'm terrific. Okay. And if she okay, if she says, agent. did he put you up to this? Just go, no. what? And, you know, uh, okay. I have a question. My mom seems to think that uh, we have like a generational curse, and, and I'm wondering how they could, how can you break that thing? Let's define what it is first. Um, there oh. is a sense in which generational curses are true because we are affected by the sin of our ancient father, Adam. And so there's a curse effect upon his descendants. Now that's a generic, broad understanding because the curse that fell to Adam fell upon us and we all die, we all get sick, things like that. It's part of the, the curse. And the curse of uh, Eve, who represented women, is to have pain in childbirth. So there is that. Now, a generational curse is generally understood to mean your specific family has a curse attached to it and then the children. And it wouldn't be your neighbor, but you and your family, etc. And so this is generally how that is, is the case. Now, is it possible? Well, yeah, it is possible because there, like, for example, a God actually curses uh uh, the house of Eli in First Samuel three, I mean, their, the sins of their house will not be forgiven. That is a okay. A little glitch there. Um, we were, um, I don't know when it dropped, but uh, I'm sorry for that. But I'll pick back up on the Trinity concept that um, the caller thought was a confusing issue. It's not confusing. In our everyday existence, we we exist in something called time. Okay, past is time, present is time, and the future consists of time. You take one of those parts of time away, and you don't have time at all. The essence in, of what time is defined as is all three must exist simultaneously. Well, on a higher level, uh, the Lord exists uh, in nature and substance. Uh, in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see this in Scripture, where uh, God the Father, in particular, is called God, in Philippians 1-2. Uh, the Son is called God, in John 1-1 and John 1-14. Uh, especially in the New Testament, Colossians 2-9, where we're told that all the fullness of deity dwells in Jesus in bodily form. And, of course, the Holy Spirit in Acts is uh, called God. That was very clear when Ananias and Sapphira lied about keeping back the price of the field. 
And uh, Peter said, uh, you have not lied to men. Uh, when he says, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit uh, and done this? And they were both struck dead for it. And he told Ananias, uh, you have not lied to men, but to God. So you can't lie to uh, the Holy Spirit if the Holy Spirit is not one of the persons in the Godhead, uh, and uh, so forth. Uh, yeah, the Father is given credit for being the creator of all in Isaiah 64, 8, and 44, 24. Uh, in John 1, 3, you see the Son being given credit for all that has been created. Uh, in the Holy Spirit, in Job 33, 4 and 26, 13, you see him being credit, credited for having been responsible for creation. These, are, these don't uh, confuse uh, the idea of the Trinity. These all add to a systematic uh, building up to an understanding of the Trinity. Now, the word Trinity didn't come along until much later, just like a lot of words that we use in theology today were developed over time. They sound like jaw-breaking words. Really, at first, what is the hypostatic union and the you know, communicado idiomatum and different things like that? Well, don't let those jaw-breaking words scare you away. These have just been developed as a sort of shorthand or uh, a shortcut uh, way to label something that has been developed through a careful stu- uh, study of Scripture and, and uh, systematically putting them together to, to come to the conclusion that, yes, Jesus is fully God and fully man. That's understood by the term the hypostatic union. If you look it up on Karma, you'll see some very rich and wonderful articles about that theological concept. So don't let the, the Theological terms intimidate you. Uh, they're just simply developed as a shorthand way of uh, identifying a topic that's been put together uh, from Scripture uh, and given a name uh, so that you know how to get to it. Now, uh, another indication. Let me just give you one more. It says that God the Father is all-knowing. Uh, he knows everything. First John 3.20. I hope you can go there and look and compare that with John 16.30 or John 21.17, where the Son is indicated as having, uh, as, as having to know everything. Uh, and the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 2, uh, verses 10 through 11. Uh, God alone knows the hearts and minds of men, we read. God alone. Okay, God in the general term, but here we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all being presented as knowing the thoughts and hearts of men, thus qualifying them as the members of the Godhead, equal, uh, equally eternal, equally powerful, equally relating with each other, and we benefit from that in what's called the eternal covenant, okay? They have graciously allowed us, uh, by covenant with one another and in covenant with one another, to uh, benefit from their work on our behalf. Uh, if you look at uh, the term aseity of God, another job-breaking term, uh, you'll find that this is broken down 
and uh, and it's revealed in Scripture some of how the Trinity, the members of the Trinity, relate to each other. Uh, they have a functional, or um, sometimes it's called the economic Trinity. Uh, they function for different reasons in different ways. A book, pray about, uh, reading it, and then you submit your heart, mind, and the nature of truth to it, and you ask for a voice, a presence to come upon you internally in order to get truth. And this is an invitation, it's one of the procedures of invitations of demonic oppression, to ask a to ask a false god, a false spirit, ultimately, to speak to you. This is exactly what occult uh, practices uh, are comprised of. Exactly. We're never told to pray about the truth of what God says. What God says... Okay. Uh, sorry about that. I'm I'm looking at my equipment here, and uh, it says it's functioning, but somehow there was a malfunction. I'll take the blame for that. Uh, but I'm not sure exactly where I was, but um, the, the Trinity is not a confusing thing at all once you understand that uh, the members of the Trinity relate to one another and they function uh, for our behalf. Uh, and sometimes there's a, an economic uh, sense of the existence of the Trinity, economic in that one such as the Father will send the Son, not the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Son will, will testify of the Father, and He's here to do the work and the will of the Father. The Holy Spirit uh, is not the Father, nor is He the Son, but He is God the Holy Spirit who moves upon people and sometimes will even uh, chastise them, as He did Ananias. Uh, for having been lied to. So this is, don't forget, the, a systematic uh, arrival at the concept of the Trinity. And that word seems to have been best invented to capture, in a thumbnail sense, the idea of the triune nature of God. Uh, so if we can uh, continue here, I'm... Um, looking for calls to come in. I don't see a call just now. Um, let me tell you that you can take advantage of the thousands, literally thousands of articles and topics you can find on the CARM website. If you go to CARM, C-A-R-M dot org, and you'll see on the menu bar on the left, uh, different sections, different things. You click on those things and Inside those uh, topics, you'll find subtopics having to do with the, the main topic, and you can scroll through there and literally get lost in the information. You open your Bible and get in there, and you'll find something that uh, you wondered about or thought about or had heard about, and you want to look into deeper in the Word of God about it. And these will give you a roadmap and the attendant verses that you may or may not connect uh, the dots on some of these issues. And it's always uh, a good resource. I go to it frequently. Um, uh, you can also access uh, information on our cut and paste section 
it's free to use and it's a great place to get uh, notes in a quick fashion that you want to pass on information to others. Uh, Another program powered by the Truth Network.